I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job, and now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method, and they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Katerina Kutriba. I'm very excited for her to share her journey in private practice as a dietitian boss. Katerina has been a dietitian since 2013. Uh, she works with food freedom, body acceptance, women's health, hormones, cycle, and menopause, and she's been self-employed since January 1st of 2020. She's based in Austria, Europe, and she's a mental uh, mindset trainer, a world traveler, and she's volunteered in Nepal and Dominica, building schools after natural disasters. She's also a passionate runner. Uh, you can find her on social at female.food.com. Freedom. Welcome to today's episode, Katerina. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, su- super excited. Is there anything that I left out when I read that bio that you'd like to share with the listeners? No, actually, you covered everything. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so I uh, am happy to, to have you here and share your journey. I think it's wonderful uh, for the listeners to know that dietitians around the world are studying and growing their private practice. So you represent, uh, you represent that. And so uh, thank you for, for taking the time and energy to show your face and share your story. Um, Absolutely. For, for people that don't know who you are and are getting more familiar with your, your brand and your messaging and your impact... Can you talk a little bit about where you started out versus where you are now in your journey, in your business? Yeah, sure. So as you said, I started my private practice in January 2020. But then, as we all know, COVID hit. So it like I did struggle last year. And actually, I was thinking of joining the Dietitian Boss program last year already. But then I thought, no, I can do it on my own. So I struggled a bit more. (laughs) I did my best. Um, But then I figured out that it might be really good to get some help. And so I reached out again this year and I started the program in March. So, yeah. And I... I did use like your your tips you you gave like you're giving on Instagram already and in your um on your website, but still it's like such a difference now joining the program, and yeah, so I'm 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 really happy that I did that. I'm I'm glad to hear that, and I'm very glad that you uh, invested in yourself, right? That the time and energy. Um, so can you talk about what you've learned, what some of the outcomes have been um, in terms of whether it be messaging, impact, clientele, offer? What have been some of the, maybe just one or two changes that you've noticed? Okay, so I think the two main changes have been that I focused extremely on my message, especially listening to my followers, listening to my clients, and really like what are their pain points, what are they struggling with? And so really like, yeah, honing in and and using their words um, for my content, but also for my stories and just for my um, yeah offer and my group program. 
as well as um, my sales skills have so much improved. I was actually like scared, not scared, but yeah, I was not really comfortable doing a sales call just of like, oh, okay, so I have to off, like present my offer and then talk about the money, what it costs and all that stuff. And now with the method, I have like a structure. I have my sales call, like uh, a script, which I can use. And so I'm really confident about it. And as every time I have a sales call, I'm really like, okay, I can do this. I know what to say. I know um, how to like listen to the people. Um, but also like, yeah, what's my, exactly, I know my offer. So I exactly know what I have to offer, what I can, how I can support them and how much it costs. That's great. Uh, yes. So that confidence in your, would you say, process and system, has that helped you reach your goals, whether it be client enrollments uh, or, or just increasing impact? Yeah, totally. Because as I said, I tried it like by myself last year and I wanted to launch my first group program last September already. And I had no one reaching out to me because I didn't really like talk about it or market it well. So yeah, not really like it didn't happen. So I had to cancel the whole thing and I was frustrated and everything. And so, as I said, I joined the program in March this year and then I started my first group in at the end of April and yeah so I am I'm, I'm really happy that I um, was able to evolve that much and to improve my sales skills yeah yeah so would you say the differentiator between starting your group and it not working in the past versus you starting it and you getting enrollees now would it be the sales skills or would it be the fact that there's more people who are reaching out that want your help or a combination of the two? Like what's the difference? I would say it's a combination of the two as well as that last year I started like I tried to do it like perfect, you know, and have everything planned out and I know how like each call, what to say, what to do and all that stuff. And this time I just did it. And I, I started my first group. I know I knew what I like. I want to talk about in the like on the first call. But then each week, I was thinking of like, okay, what will we talk about the next week? You know. So I didn't have like the whole structure and the whole plan. But I was just confident that it's going to work out. I what an what an amazing reflection, right? It's it's the same as saying I don't want to show my face unless I have perfect makeup. And I'm wearing, uh, you know, yes. an outfit versus just being real and yeah. on your face, whether it's no makeup or maybe, you know, it's not your best day. Maybe you're a little grumpy um, yeah. and people want to see that human connection. So I really appreciate you sharing that you broke through the, uh, you know, perfection tendencies that most of us have as dietitians yeah. and that uh, allowed you to help people. Right. So identifying that might have been a barrier on your end ultimately led you to to get not only paying clients, but to help people find food freedom, which is ultimately why you're doing this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So before we talk a little bit more about your the type of clients you work with in your niche, well, I do want to chat about that and, and how things have evolved. I want to know a little bit more about your story. What helped you pick food freedom? Um, I know that in your background, uh, you're a passionate runner and a world traveler. How did you, like... 
Can you talk about the evolution with your niche, whether it's the type of clients you work with or, or why you chose this space and, and how difficult was that for you to draw your, uh, you know, draw a line in the sand and say that this is what you want to do? Yeah. So as you said, I traveled a bit around the world. And so I experienced it myself that I had a very restrictive eating habits. And so um, actually I had it before, but also after becoming a dietitian, it helped me with my eating habits. But still, I had, after like after be, uh, becoming a dietitian, I was thinking like, okay, how many fruits I have to eat every day, or how many portions of vegetables and all that stuff. So I really had the, this um, mindset of everything has to be healthy and and so on. And so traveling helped me to yeah find my food freedom actually and also getting more into this like body acceptance and accepting my body and accepting my story and so actually I started with a total like a little bit of another niche I would say but then in the last year I figured out that this is actually what I want to help people because I always was looking for someone who would helped me with find food freedom and um, yeah, just knowing that we're not supposed to like eat only healthy and only eat fruits and counting calories and all that stuff. So yeah. So two things I want to ask about that. Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is I love that you referenced basically self-discovery, right? So yeah. traveling helps you with personal development, right? Is it, uh, I'm a huge travel fan and getting to know yourself and reflect helped you identify that this space is important and we all know it's much needed. So is there any specific example of that um, that that really just hit home and made you want to define this or was it just a combination of traveling and and learning about yourself? So I think I remember there was this one moment when I was, I think I was in Indonesia and there were all this like great food and I wasn't sure like, should I eat it or not? Because I might gain weight and all that stuff. And then I had a friend um, who I met there and he has been traveling a lot as well. And then one day he said like, okay, so you have two options. A, you keep restricting like all the food and you're not trying it or you, you try the food and just enjoy your time. And even if you gain weight, you will remember the memories you're making and not like, okay, I I didn't have this food and I didn't have this dish and I didn't try this um, speciality or whatever. So, and it really hit me that we are not here to, like I'm, I'm traveling to make memories and not to count calories. And, and yeah, that's what I want to remember. And actually this is what I remember now when I'm thinking of my travels. Of course, like all the culture you're seeing and the people, but also all the good food you're experiencing and trying and eating. So, yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. That's really relatable and and special. And um, did you ever go back and tell your friend how much that person influenced you to really think critically about how you're seeing the world and then ultimately creating a profitable business to help other people? No, actually, I never did that, but maybe I should do that. that might make that person's day to know that they did you in that way. That's really sweet. Um, My second question was, so the first question was if you had a specific example and you did, you gave that. So thank you for sharing. 
The second question I want to ask is many of our clients, and you've seen this and I see it, uh, they change their their specialty or their niche sometimes, whether it's pivoting or evolving, and that's okay. Um, And you mentioned that you initially maybe landed on something else, maybe outside of food freedom. Can you talk about that process and how you came to what you do now? Were you first weight loss or or can you talk a little bit about your your initial thought with your messaging? Yeah. So the first, um, it wasn't really a niche. It was, the name was like eat, move, enjoy. So it was still about eating and movement and enjoy the whole thing or enjoy your life. But it was kind of like such a like wide topic and area. And I didn't have like a specific message, I would say. And I was kind of like, okay, maybe a little bit of weight loss, but also a little bit of, okay, enjoy what you're doing and um, enjoy the movement and maybe a little bit of like sports nutrition. So it was kind of like I was all over the place, I would say, because I had this feeling of what I think of, I feel a lot of dietitians have, like we need to help everyone but actually we are helping no one because I didn't have a real message because it was one day it was sports nutrition the next day it was I don't know how to gain uh, how to lose weight the next day it was how to enjoy your life and so yeah I was as I said all over the place and, and is that kind of what you were showing on social media before you joined our program that kind of yes. yeah so the good thing is, uh, and that's very normal. By the way, I did that when I first came out on social media too. I talked about all kinds of things with nutrition, <laughs> and that's and I don't regret it one bit because that's I got started, I put myself yeah. out there, and then I evolved and got more clear. I always knew I was talking to dietitians, but I started getting more streamlined with that. So uh, the, the issue is not evolving your niche; the issue is never getting started. Yeah, right. Totally. So I, I think that's great that you took all of those different aspects you were interested in, sports, nutrition, and, and all those different areas, and you put it out there because it gave you that blank canvas to, to tighten it up and then create the, the food freedom message you have now today, which is resonating, is authentic to you, and is profitable. You're, you're yeah. making money. So so that's what would you say um, if we were to go back? Because I already know you mentioned you, you did it before. It didn't quite work. You tightened up and then it's helped you. So you mentioned that at the top of this interview. But let's go back even further. What got you to get started in the first place? Um, because it got you to put out all that information, even if it wasn't quite concise, because that's where most of dietitians are dropping the ball is they're never putting themselves out there, right? The issue isn't pivoting, even though that's totally okay. The issue is never putting any content or showing your face. Well, I think what made it maybe a little bit easier for me is because I started my Instagram account already when I was traveling. Okay. So, and then I just transformed the travel content and sharing just my like ordinary life into my like business account. But I still was struggling with like, okay, now I do have some friends from my travels who are following me and now I'm talking about the dietitian stuff so and the nutrition stuff. I'm not really sure if this is like resonating with them and resonating with me, but I just kept going and, and yeah, and then still shared a lot of stuff yeah. um, and, and a mixture of everything. And so small steps got you from making it personal to a travel blog where then you evolved it to be more focused over time. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for sharing that. 
And uh, so you've talked about the, the evolution of your niche and your current clients are those who want to find food freedom. That's very clear. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your dream with private practice? What led you to go down this route? And is that normal where you're from in Austria? If, is it common? I'm assuming the stats, even if you don't have stats, are similar here in the States. We're very few, a small percentage, anywhere from 3% to 10 um, out of all dietitians actually own and operate a private practice, right? So what is it like in Austria and what motivated you to, to grow to where you are now? Because I'm assuming it's not common where you're from. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> so even though Austria is way much smaller than the USA, I think we have like a similar um, situation, I would say. Because so first of all, um, there are not a lot of, like we would, how we say it, 100% uh, private practice dietitians. There are some who might have uh, a clinical job mm-hmm. or working for some some business, but and still doing it like on the side, but not um, doing it like just to be their own boss and doing it for like just 100 percent as we saying it as we say it. Um, and the next thing is, it's, as you said, it's not very common here as well. Plus. We also have this thinking of we might need two years of clinical experience <laughs> before before. we can start it. Yeah. I've heard that before. Uh-huh. What are your thoughts on that? So the funny thing is I started um, like I did start my studies to become a dietitian at the age of 28. So I worked before and then I thought, okay, so I'll, I'll do my studies. Um, I finished them. I will go work in a clinic for like two years. <laughs> that was exactly what I thought. Worked there for two years, and then I'm going to start my private practice. So this was actually always my dream to be self-employed and work with people um, on like kind of like before they are getting sick. So in kind of like as a prevention, I would say. Yep. yep. But still, I thought I need these two years. And, and what do you think about that now? I think it's not, you don't need it. It's kind of like, how to say, so in Austria, I think a lot of people first get in contact with a dietitian in a hospital because we don't have, like, yeah, we're not so, like, not popular is, I think, the, the uh, wrong word, but people don't know that there are dietitians and you can just go there and get help. So I think most of the time it's like the first touch point in a clinical situation with a dietitian. So it's, I think it's not bad to maybe know what it's like to work there because it's so much different than working for yourself and working in your private practice. Yeah. Um, pr- appreciate that that reference. And, and what motivated you for private practice? Is it impact, money? I, I understand what you're saying, that it's not as common for people to have it full time. They have it on the side. But whether it's a, a goal to have it be your only thing making money or part of your, your, you know, your revenue, um, your streams of income, what made you say, I want to make this happen enough to invest in yourself and take action and, and try it a couple times, even after 
it quote unquote failed because by the way, that's part of business. But as you said, the first group didn't pan out until you kind of dialed in on the messaging and then the sales. Yeah. So I think I just like to be my own boss and I just like to like have the flexibility to work whenever I want to work, but also to work with the people I want to work with. And I want to work with people who are willing to invest in themselves and who are willing to change something. Most of the time in like the clinical situation, you just happen to enter the room and you're there and you need, like you have to talk to them because someone said, here is the patient, you're the dietitian, go and talk to them. And now I can really work with people who are motivated and who really want to get support and who really want to change something. So yeah, I think that's one of the like main I say, uh, the main reasons why I want to have my private practice. Yeah. Yeah, thank, thank you for sharing that. And I, I couldn't relate anymore, right? I'm uh, that the, the patients didn't they didn't want to see me, and I was it was so uncomfortable for me. I did everything yeah. I could. Motivational interviewing helped a lot, and um, so I was able to to really try to relate with them and, and find out and meet them where they're at. Um, but it, it took a toll on me, um, really, really um, on my mental health because I every day would go to work where people didn't didn't want to see the dietitian and it was really, really challenging. So how does it feel now? Um, and you, you said it perfectly, flexibility, working what I want, being my own boss. How does it feel now to work with people who want to work with you, who are investing in you um, to get the results that they want in the realm of food freedom? So if you were to juxtapose clinical to now in your groups, how, does, how do you feel when you're working with these people, your clients? It's such a wonderful job. Like I really, really appreciate it, and I really love what I'm doing. Especially every time I'm I'm at the end of one of my group calls, I'm just like so full of I don't know happy feelings and and just so thankful that I can do this and I can support people and I can help them. And just the feedback you're getting is just wonderful. So yeah, I don't want to change it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like day and night, right? Working with someone who is forced to see you from a doctor yeah. consult or maybe, you know, you're, you're dragged in versus somebody who's paying you their hard-earned cash because they're attracted to the message and the transformation that your business represents, which is something that you experience. And it's very authentic and aligned to live that life. Um, anyway, so I, I, I love talking to dietitians like you from around the world who are uh, living their best lives. And again, it doesn't have to be full-time. Um, we can respect and honor uh, however we're embarking on the journey, however slow or long it takes. Um, it's just so nice to hear that you're aligned with the work you're doing, right? With all that hard work to become a dietitian, that you're actually feeling good about the work you're doing. So it's great. Yeah. Um, all right. And um, what uh, to a couple things I want to to give to the listeners. Do you have any tips um, when it comes to social? I'd love to hear a little bit about how your content has changed and, and how you've. I know you said you honed in on your message. So, do you have any tips for the listeners, whether it's content or in general, about how they can build the no like and trust factor? on social and then I'd like to talk a little bit about your content strategy and, and how you feel about it now after clarifying the message versus before when you used to kind of be a, a little collage with multiple different things in nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of like my tips I would give the listeners is actually what you are saying all the time is show your face. 
I think it really helps to just be authentic and show our followers who we are. And even if we start to show like, okay, I'm, I don't know, I'm going for a run now, or this is what I'm eating. Or last time I had to read a book for a course I'm, I'm doing and I didn't want to uh, read it actually. So I shared this story that I stopped reading and I went into the kitchen and I went back and I went to the kitchen. So I, I shared this story that it's actually like how food and emotions are kind of like linked together. And I got so much feedback on this saying like, oh, this happens to you as well. And I was like, of course, I'm a human too. So if you're comfortable sharing your story and sharing like also your everyday life, including some information and tips, it's wonderful. I, I love that you um, that you drew that parallel between your life and relating to your audience, and that's something that I I when I see our clients doing that, I think it's amazing. So basically, you're you are the me- the messenger, the medium. You're showing the result and the transformation that you give your clients with um, your face and, and being the uh, just showing your day to day. So yeah. for example, you're talking about, hey, you know, you know, food and, and emotions. And I might be talking about um, my new apartment and living my best life being my own boss. And I'm sharing about me, but I'm yeah. also relaying the larger picture, which is the transformation and outcome that I, you know, offer, whether it's you know, with the followers or, or paying clients, right? Being their own boss. So I, I love that you share that specific example. And I hope the listeners can take that away. That was a great tip, Katarina, as far as drawing a parallel between how you're showing your face and what they're getting. And that's uh, something that everybody can take away from, from this episode. And that becomes even more poignant when your message is defined, because the more clear you are about that transformation you're giving, the more that people watching, whether they're followers or clients, they connect with you, right? Because I say, oh, like you said, you got a lot of traction. Like, I feel that too. And then they, it humanizes you and it makes them feel that they want that too, that out that transformation of, of finding you know, that, that food freedom. So awesome. Um, okay. Uh, two more questions, uh, a little bit, or two more topics I want to hit on before we wrap. Can you talk at all or give any, any thoughts about content creation um, after following the dietitian box method or what has helped you? What's your kind of process like, whether you're, you're talking about now versus before or just in general, how do you approach content in a way that doesn't feel exhausting? Because I know a lot of people get intimidated uh, with creating content because it's something that, you know, we, we have to do regularly, right? But then it, how do you not make it a chore? Yeah, I totally understand that if like we are freaking out about content and, and it, sometimes it feels like so like draining and you don't know what to post and how to post it and what to say and all that stuff. So it really helped me. I remember before I started the program, I kind of like did it daily. I sat down like every morning and created the post for the day. Sometimes it felt good, but sometimes it was like, okay, I need to, I need to post something and I need to have an idea now. And now, after a couple of weeks in the program, I really like changed my mindset, I would say, and changed how I approached content. And now I'm like kind of like creating content, like in a batch. I have some of like, of course, I have already some 
um, styles I want to I can use in Canva, and so it's it's easier now. And now I try to do it like once a week for at least like seven to ten days, and it feels so much better. It's still a little bit of a struggle, of course. It's not like done in five minutes, to be honest. Of course not, but it's just like I focus one time on it, and then it's done. And I don't have to think about it each and every day. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is you have a process for how you yeah. go about with time management. And thank you for sharing that because that's absolutely more productive and sustainable, right? Yeah. What about the actual logistics of the content itself? How do you, I know you said it's still a struggle, um, but how have you evolved from what you used to post to now what you're posting? Has there been, a, is, is it a process of recreating top performing posts? Is it a mindset of, of always showing the transformation? What would you say helps you from a, uh, a more tactical aspect of the content outside of just the, the logistics of time management? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think previously I was more doing like, I had a quote and I was talking about it, for example, but now I'm more like giving tips and giving out information or doing a feedback Friday, for example. And then really, so like first the post itself is like already, how to say, like a story in itself or information uh, in itself. And then in the captions, I use the captions as well and and maybe telling a story or um, telling the feedback or the story of my clients or giving out some more information. So. Um, it totally changed, I would say. Of course, totally, yeah. Awesome. And does that factor into the, the kind of more efficient process is, is how you make the post is just something you repeat when you're batch making content. So it just kind of creates a more uh, efficient process. Yeah. So what I do, I first create just a post, so mm -hmm. the image. Yeah. And then I have all the images. Well, of course, I know a little bit like I have an idea what to say or like what to um, uh, write in the captions. Mm -hmm. But then it's still like I first do the post or like the images and then I'll do the captions and the hashtags. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of right. like a little bit like step by step process, I would yeah, say. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a huge evolution from, you know, piece yeah. every day. Um, can't can't wait to hear you know how things are going in three to six months, right? With all the progress you've made, with being able to enroll in groups and um, and, and you know bringing revenue and, and uh, impact. So the last question is: uh, um, How has your money mindset evolved um, in recent, uh, whether in private practice or I guess since COVID? Um, what what's kind of shifted for you, if anything, with respect to not only private practice but just in general as a business owner and an entrepreneur? So I guess one of the mindset shifts has been that in like money mindset that I really honed in into like my numbers, my, my financial, like what I earn or like what did I earn so far and what I have to earn and like what am my, um, what I have to pay and what are my bills and all that stuff as, uh, as well as what I am worth. So like, what can I expect people to pay more or less? Or how, what, how much, like, what's the price for my offer? And that has changed a lot. 
So in a, changed in a positive way, changed because you've been able to, re, like what's helped you change it? Is it affirmations? Is it being in a group program? Is it modules talking on calls? Is it improving your sales skills? Like if you were to attribute just, you know, one to three things, what do you have any specific uh, reference points for um, improving money mindset? Yeah, I think what really helped me is that you're suggesting to start with one, like a low price. And starting the group at this uh, price point, and then it's six weeks. So it's how to say this in a good way. Um, you're not supposed like if it's if it's it's not a very high price. So you're not you're still giving your best, but you know that it's it's okay if if you maybe make mistakes. If you're not having, as I said before, like a total planned out structure from call one to call six in your group program so it really helps that you know okay I can help people I can support them it's I do earn money and I make my first I make my first money more or less you know and so you can so this help really helped me overcoming this again this like perfection perfectionism yeah Yeah. and also but making my making money as well so it's yeah that's great so what i'm hearing is is and for the listeners uh, i know exactly what you're saying because it's part of my method but for, for the listeners what katarina is saying is a progression point from having a certain amount of clients at one price point and then progressing like a tiered system as you enroll more people really just yes. the basics of supply and demand uh, as you have uh, more uh, people at more demand you decrease the supply and then that means that you are also increasing your price and that really helps uh, it helps a lot for your your mindset and your ability to not feel too intimidated um, I would love if our clients came in and charged five thousand dollars off the bat but I've noticed most dietitians you know need a stepwise approach so what that means is as you're improving your skills whether it be your soft skills on a sales call or your content creation to attract clients or even your ability to deliver the service and, and see the results you're getting from your clients, all of those changes happen incrementally. And, and that incremental change, you know, for you, it's just to be within the course of a few months, right? It doesn't have to take years, but it's a really great way to take off all that stress and anxiety from the high pressure of, I need to sell my program at $5,000 off the bat. Now, mind you, I have clients that sell their program for that amount of money, um, but most of them didn't start that way, right? Yeah. So it's very common to offer something lower price and then increase your pricing just to give you the skills and confidence to not overwhelm you. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, from what I've seen with this market with dietitians, that works really well. Um, again, there are some some people, more rare than not, that are saying, you know what? No, I'm going to charge you know, way higher. I'm going to charge in the four digits off the bat, and, and that's good for them. Um, but but most people are, are not. They'll hyperventilate, right, and, and start to break down because you, it, this is where it's important to look into yourself and look at your own behaviors. And what I love about you, Katerina, is how self-aware you are. From right off the bat, you said, you know, I have perfectionist tendencies. And that's true for most of uh, the clients, the, our clients here at Dietitian Bosses, is that they struggle with those tendencies. And if that's the case, a stepwise approach can really help you identify your barriers and break through them, but not ripping off the band-aid, so to speak. It's taking those, those small steps and then doing it in a group environment. And you see your colleagues um, you know, in different parts of the world and different parts of their lives who are making, who are progressing at their level. And it's really nice to be able to look within and say, this is, I honor how I progress. 
which is different from how my neighbor progresses, yet we can all be on this path together. Um, and that's it's a beautiful thing. It's also a mature thing to be able to look from within, understand your personality and, and how you want to grow your business and then still uh, congratulate and celebrate your, your colleagues and, and how they do it, which might be a little bit different. Totally. And I think what you just said with comparing yourself to others, it's, I don't know, I would, I know we all do it, but it's such a no-go because especially if we just see dietitians or yeah, just people yep. on Instagram, for example, we just see like a little tiny bit of their life and of their business maybe. And what I recently found out that, yeah, you see this like shiny world or like, oh, I have a sales call and oh, I have a client and whatever. But I reached out to some of them just to talk to them and how are you doing and all that stuff. And we are all struggling. So we're all like comparing ourselves. So we all have this, anxious, um, we're anxious or yeah, we have these issues and struggles. So I think it's sometimes it's good to compare yourself or have a like see what others are doing. Yeah. But this shouldn't like hold you back. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And, and it's also about uh, looking within. So I'm a big proponent of comparing myself to myself. Right. Yeah. Personal growth and self-growth, uh, which directly relates to your ability to impact more people and increase more profits in your own business, um, is, is going to take a lot of reflection. And the reflection that you take um, as you, you know, mature in business is going to be about congratulating your colleagues and seeing that you're different human beings with a different yeah. set of circumstances. And every single human has their own problems and pain points. Right. All of us do, whatever it might be. And so totally. understanding and respecting that someone you look up to has their own set of problems um, is normal. And we might not always see what those problems are, but that's why it's even more important to focus on yourself. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, a lot of personal growth and hearing. I, I, I love your level of self-awareness. I love you representing for Austria. Um, anything else that you want us to that you want to say before we, we hop off and, and wrap this episode? It's been really nice to chat with you, and I can't wait for the listeners to to hear and, and connect and reach out to you and let them know how uh, you uh, inspired them. Thank you so much for having me. I think maybe one tip I want to share is yeah, just be authentic, show emotions, and show your real life, and just just show your face and do it. Love it. Love there are it. so many people out there we can support. And so, yeah, and even if we make mistakes or if we don't do it perfectly in the first place, we are still going to support and help a lot of people. Amazing. So you're breaking through perfectionism and you're showing an abundance mindset and you're representing for Austria. I love <laughs> it. All right, Katarina, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure too. If you're looking to start and grow your business, we have two opportunities. Our society program to help you land your first clients and really get a system up and running, develop your message, create content, get your offer up and going and enroll in your offer. And then for our high-level executive program, for those of you who already are working with clients and do not have an issue with attracting clients, 
uh, me and my team will be able to help you get systems in place so that you can work less hours and make more money and truly scale your business. So whether you're looking to get started or you're looking to rev up your business, Dietitian Boss has opportunities for you. Please apply to our services found on my website at LibbyRothschild.com, or you can find in the show notes a link to apply.